you'll notice that uh, in the meditation tonight, I gave a teeny bit more instruction than I usually do. And I was emphasizing a certain quality to the meditative practice. And I was emphasizing it because I wanted to speak about it a little more. And I wanted to, the quality uh, that I wanted to speak about is called uh, Sama Samadhi, or right, right concentration is the translation that is most, uh, most usually used. <clears throat> and when the Buddha taught meditation, he taught, it, uh, he taught that there were three important areas to pay attention to. And they were called right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. And you really can't do any of them without the others. They're really not totally separate. But he, he uh, articulated them in this way so that we could begin to uh, understand the different characteristics of samadhi and of which is concentration and mindfulness or sati and then right effort. And um, the retreat's a concentration retreat. So I've been thinking about concentration. And it's, it's a retreat where we'll basically be focusing on mindfulness of the breathing for 10 days. Um, and some people would think, well, why would you want to do that? That just sounds so boring. I mean, God, with 10 days of just being with your breath, you'll go crazy. Um, um, uh, all, all meditation practice has two parts to it. There's the training part, and then there's the fruit of the practice. So as we practice, we're, we're learning a skill, we're learning an art, the art of meditation, or the art, in this case, of mindfulness, or the art of being present, we could say, or the art of being awake. And then as we begin to master the art, as we begin to master the skills involved that, cre that create any art, um, then we begin to get the, we begin to see or experience the fruit or the, the, uh, the riches that are available in any skill, in any art. And so just like playing the piano, there are certain skills that are needed to play the piano, certain techniques that one learns, certain ways to build on the various techniques, whether we're starting with scales or arpeggios or chords, and then what, you know, practicing with one hand, practicing with the other, practicing with both hands. And slowly, one realizes the fruit. In the case of the piano, it's, it's music. It starts to become music. Something starts to happen. But it's not, it's not simply the technique. The technique becomes the foundation for the fruit to reveal itself, for the music to reveal itself, to come alive. And so the various techniques of meditative practice um, uh, are uh, important, have their place, their, their training. They train us, they teach us, they begin to shape us in a certain way so the Dharma can reveal itself through us and to us. And both are important, that it reveals itself 
to us, we begin to have a certain understanding, we begin to have insight, we begin to see reality through the eyes of the Dharma. And then also, it reveals itself not just to us, but through us, as us, that we ourselves are a medium for the Dharma. We are an expression, maybe a better way to say it is we are an expression of the Dharma ourselves. And so, um, and so the Buddha outlined, actually, in his Eightfold Path, he outlined a lot of areas to pay attention to. Right understanding, right intention, right action, right speech, right livelihood. And then the, and then the meditative basket is right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. And different teachers will talk about concentration or samadhi in, in different ways. Some teachers really, really, really emphasize it. Like this is really important and you really need to get concentrated in order to wake up. Other teachers will say, no, you need about, you need about half that much. You know, it doesn't have to, re just one really. You just really need to get kind of, not really, really, really. Just really. <laughs> Other teachers will say, oh, no, you don't, you don't really need that at all. Just pay attention. And I tend to fall somewhere in the middle of all three of those. <laughs> I, like, I, I like all three of those, actually. Because they all have their benefit. They all have a benefit. And it's one of the gifts of, of actually um, having access to many different teachers. You know, Burmese teachers, Thai teachers, Tibetan teachers, Western teachers, Eastern teachers. That you start to hear, you start to see, oh, it's a big map. There's a lot of different ways in. And what and then to start to see, well, what speaks to you? What really resonates with you? What resonates with who you are personally, given your time, place, culture, gender, religious background, whatever it might be that shapes you, you want to see, well, what, what speaks to you in the ways that the Dharma is offered? Because it's offered in many, many different ways. So in terms of uh, samadhi, one of the ways that I like to talk about it, first of all, the word samadhi I like better than concentration. You know, it's, it's, concentration is the closest word we have in English, but it, it doesn't do it justice, in, in, in my view. It's um, uh, especially given our associations with concentration, which are often not that helpful. Well, you know, many people have, or let me ask you, how many people were told, if you don't concentrate, something bad will happen? Any, anybody ever hear that in their family or in the, from their teachers or culture? Certain, certain parents, certain teachers, certain cultures will really emphasize a kind of uh, a tenseness, being tense in order to concentrate. And that's not at all the spirit or the flavor or the art of samadhi. It's actually not about being tense at all. In fact, they talk about um, happiness is one of the supports for true concentration, for meditative concentration. Relaxation is a support 
for meditative concentration. Right effort is really important, but right effort is not tension or straining or striving. And, and you, you'll hear the, those words sound one way, but then if you think about dedicating, devoting, committing oneself, that is part of right effort. So right effort says, yeah, we, we, we're we going to do this and we're going to do it to the best of our ability and we're really going to give ourselves to it. We're going to give ourselves to being with the body and the breathing for this 45 minutes. And we're going to give ourselves to it no matter how many times we get you know, totally mesmerized by our thoughts. That's, that, we know that happens, but we're going to keep coming back to the body and the breathing. And when we're with the body and the breathing, we're going to see how sensitive we can be to the body and the breath while we're there. How sensitive, how much can we feel this? Or, and it's not, we're not trying to force the feeling, we're trying to learn the art of being totally present within the experience so that the experience is known in the being of the experience, not from a distance. We're not watching it, although watching can be part of the beginning stages of samadhi. You might watch the breath. That's, that's a good thing to do, but soon we want to start to get closer. It's like, and this metaphor works for me, it definitely won't work for all teachers, but it's like if you're making love, you can like watch the person from across the room and that can have a certain enjoyment, but if you really want to make love, you have to get closer. You really have to, you have to touch, actually. It's the same with mindfulness of breathing. You have to let your consciousness touch the experience. It's not a, it's not, it's not a watching from a distance. It's a knowing from being in contact. This is how samadhi begins to deepen. That we start to become very intimate with the actual experience. The intimacy is not, it's not even like, oh, I'm being intimate with something. It's like consciousness, the mindfulness, the sensitivity of consciousness, and the sensitivity of our body and the breathing starts to merge or mingle or meld together. And this is why samadhi uh, um, means to collect or bring together disparate parts. It means our mind, our awareness, our presence, our body, our sensations, our breathing, all start to move together and become one. And uh, often we'll talk about, basically we'll, we'll, we'll um, uh, on this concentration retreat, which I've taught many years, we'll talk about it as the unification of body and mind, or the unification of mind. And it's, um, uh, it's a very nourishing experience. It's part of the nourishment of the meditative process when this begins to happen. So that meditation isn't just forcing ourselves to sit or making ourselves sit. No, actually we find something nourishing that can happen in the meditative process. And, that, and then it's like, oh, I want to do that. I want that. 
And this is, a, this is a good desire in Buddhism. This is a good want, a skillful want. And it's like um, when the noise of our mind stops and we're with the body and breathing, it, it, it feels good to the heart, good to the soul, good to the mind. It's like we feel a little bit, we can start to feel like, oh, uh, first of all, sometimes people think, oh, this is it. It's not it, but it's, it's a good, good start, right? And by it, I mean it's not exactly enlightenment, but it's a really great start because all of a sudden we realize, oh, we can be here in a different way. And, the, and let me back up a second, because getting from, from here to here Right? I realize the, the, the gasho, the, the uh, bowing right, that we do with our hands is a good example of unifying. It's part of unifying. We bring ourselves together. <clears throat> and this is a total aside, but you know, if you go into the Presidio, who's the guy who does the nature um, sculpture? What's his name? Andy Goldsworthy has done a big piece in the Presidio of all the, the these trees that are put together, and it looks like a big hand, two hands in gasho, and it's and it's like other. Oh, I ride my bike through there. I always feel like oh, it's bowing to me as I as I ride by. So you could check it out if you go in the the Arguello Gate and go around. It'll be on your left, past the golf course. Um, but how to get from here to here, how to get from here to here, like we're separate and we get closer. So you'll notice you might not have really gotten into Sama Samadhi tonight during the meditation, right? Anybody here feel like they still were like a little bit lost in their thoughts or agitated or <laughs> not totally nourishing and feeling great? Okay, good. It's good to acknowledge that. So, so that's the beginning. Then the art is how to work with all the, all the uh, usual habits of heart and mind and the forces of heart and mind, the momentum, the patterns that are here, the emotions that might be here, the thoughts that might be here, the, the, the ideas we have about what's possible, how to work with that skillfully, really in a... I keep wanting to say in an artistic manner, in a kind way, but in a very skillful way, so that they begin to relax or become less important for the moment. And let the, let the breath and body start to become more important, more interesting, actually. Our simple breath and body, more interesting than all those thoughts about what you did, or what happened, or what you're going to do, or what that person said, or how what I should have replied back to, and who they think they are, and you know, that's all part of our meditation. So how to work with that, how to be skillful, not to just try to suppress it, not just push it away, but how to how to work with deepening samadhi, deepening this sense of unity in a way that's skillful, kind, and non-contentious with the rest of our experience. 
because if we if we if we if we're contentious with our experience it's it's it, in the long run it, it doesn't work because it's us right it's our experience right we're going to have thoughts we're going to have feelings we're going to have reactions we're going to you know f be tired we're going to be agitated during the med meditation if we if we keep if we're in contention with that then we're not going to relax and we're not going to be happy and the, remember what i said that the relaxation the happiness is a support for samadhi so one of the first things we want to learn how to do is breathe with other experiences right we're not just going to be mindful of the breath in order to deepen our samadhi we're going to be mindful of actually what's here what's true you know like i'm in a rotten mood today and i'm sitting here and i wish he would ring the bell already right and he just and then you realize, oh yeah, but we're doing this samadhi, so let me breathe with that feeling. Yeah, I'm in a bad mood. Nobody gave me a Mother's Day card today, or nobody, you know, did something that I wanted them to do. Everybody forgot my birthday last week. And then you breathe with that, that feeling of anger or hurt or resentment, and you just start aerating it with the breath you just start grounding it, which is one of the qualities of samadhi, by being with the body. You don't try to get rid of the feeling, particularly. If the feeling is there, and if that's what's true, now we're bringing that into the meditation. Remember the Buddha had three, three areas, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. We're gonna use all of them to deepen the samadhi. And some teachers, Actually, when the Eightfold Path is generally listed as right understanding, intention, action, speech, livelihood, effort, mindfulness, samadhi. Some teachers say it's the culmination of the path is right concentration. Is that the mind, and this is because why concentration is important, when, when the samadhi is, uh, blossoms, the mind is open, quiet, uh, uh, luminous, and malleable, meaning very sensitive. And so it starts to become sensitive to the deeper understandings of reality. It has a, it, the power, there's a power that comes with concentration and mindfulness that allows us to begin to penetrate reality. And it's where the deeper levels of insight start to happen. Um, so to back up again, so how do we work with it? We wanna be mindful of what's here, right? If we're sad, if we're agitated, if we're tired, if our mind's just chatting, you know, maybe, it's, maybe there's a lot of charge to the chatting, Maybe there's not so much charge to it. Um, either way, what's here? How to work with it in a non-contentious, skillful way that starts to move the breath and the body into the foreground. And we move into the foreground not by pushing anything away, but by breathing with the agitation in the body. Breathing with 
the tiredness, but also stand up if you're really tired. If you're really sleepy, stand up. It's a fine way to practice. And it's a fine way to work with both sleepiness and it's a great way. You can get very concentrated in the standing meditation. Very, very concentrated, actually. Hmm. So some of the qualities that come with the samadhi, as we start to work with it, we're breathing with the thoughts or other feelings, and then, and then we start to get a little more interested in the breath itself, in the bodily experience of breathing itself. And, that, and what happens, two things happen. One is our consciousness, which has been more gross, our mindfulness starts to get finer. It starts to become more refined. We, we start to see that consciousness doesn't just have to be all over the place. Consciousness itself can unify. And as it unifies, it can get more subtle. It can be more sensitive to more subtlety in our own experience. And it's pleasurable when our consciousness begins to unify. And so, um, when we sit or when we practice, especially if we practice you know, on a day long or on a longer retreat, the whole um, sense of what's possible for ourselves starts to deepen. What's possible for us as meditators, what's possible for us as human beings, that we can start to become less fragmented, right, less dispersed, and more here. And so some of the qualities of, of samadhi are groundedness, a sense of centeredness, a sense of presence, a sense of uh, um, clarity, a sense of relaxation, of tranquility, of calm, a sense of undistractedness. And these qualities it's not, and so maybe one other way I sh it might be helpful to talk about this is to consider for yourself when you've been concentrated either on the cushion or in your daily life. Like where are you most concentrated? Where are you most unified? You know, for some people it'll be in, in gardening or in nature or for some people it'll be in, in the arts in dance, or in theater, or in music. Or for some people it'll be in sport, it'll be in biking, or swimming, or running. I, I believe one of the reasons that human beings like making love is because it's a very natural place of samadhi, it's a natural area of our life where we get concentrated, we get present, we get, we get sensitive to each moment in that way. Sometimes just being with a little baby, just being with a little baby, we get 
we just kind of tune into their natural, you know, they're just right there. They're not actually thinking about a lot of other stuff, right? They're not thinking, oh, I'm going to be this in 20 years, or I'm, you know, or how come I was born to these people? They're not, they're not doing that. You know, they're just, they're just there. Um, or if you're with somebody who's dying, if you've ever spent some time with someone who's at the last phase of life, it can be very uh, uh, collecting. And, you, you know, there's nothing else to do but just be there. And actually, you can be very mindful. The samadhi can come by being mindful of their breathing, especially if it's really right at the last stage and you just, there's certain breath that starts to happen, then there's a long pause, and you're just kind of waiting. You don't know if the next breath is going to come. It's that kind of attention to our own breath that's very helpful in developing concentration samadhi. It, it's a certain kind of power samadhi. Um, it, 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 I mentioned how it functions in the meditative process that the mind becomes luminous and malleable and quite bright. They talk about the brightness that comes and, um, uh, and, and, those, and at that stage, if somebody's really at the stage of a very deep samadhi, then we might ask them to, to start looking at certain areas, at impermanence, at suffering, at selflessness, on the longer retreats from them, uh, uh, at the lo if they're on a longer retreat, to start to actually look more closely at the nature of suffering and freedom um, with that mind. Um, in daily life, it's it really quite evident. You know, uh, on one level, it's like, can we just be, can we just do what we're doing? Right? When we have a meal, can we just focus on that meal? It's radical, totally radical. You could, do, you could do samadhi just in your daily life. And all you have to do is just do what you're doing. But that's it. Don't do anything else but what you're doing, exactly what you're doing. And it, it'll, it would change your life. Like you could, or you could just do one area, take one area and say, okay, I'm really going to work with samadhi here. I'm going to just eat each meal and I'm not going to read the paper, I'm not going to text anybody, and I'm not going to look at my computer, and I'm not going to have music on. I'm just going to eat the meal. That's all. Just doing one thing. Right? It's really one thing at a time. Right? This is very simple. And you, if you did that for three meals tomorrow, you would have a very you would you would have a very interesting experience. I, I guarantee it. If not, I will give you your money back. <laughs> okay, but but really, it's 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 the fact that you know we're a culture. The greater culture here is famous for multitasking, and we pride ourselves in how many things we're on the phone and we're on the computer and we're whatever, you know, doing all these things, you know. And, you know, it's not a horrible thing to multitask and it has its place and it, what's interesting is the more samadhi you have, the better you can multitask even. But it's not exactly the point. 
No, it's true. It's, I've noticed this because I have pretty good samadhi and it means you can do a lot because you can really concentrate but you can still do too much. It's almost like, oh, you can do even more because you can concentrate better. It's like, no, 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 that's not, that's not, the, that's not the most skillful way to use the samadhi. So notice what comes for you. Where, where are the areas where you have some samadhi? Where you concentrate kind of naturally. And then also it's good to reflect on where are the areas you don't. Where are the areas you feel like you're going in four or five directions at once? Or you can't relax. Because remember, one of the qualities of samadhi is a certain kind of relaxation. It doesn't mean there's no effort. I mean, sport is a beautiful place to see that. You know, the basketball games are on now, the playoffs. And, you know, the best players have tremendous amount of samadhi. And they're putting out a, a, a huge amount of energy. Same the hockey. I, I know hockey's not so big out here, but I grew up in Detroit. Yeah, I've been watching some of the hockey. And the hockey players, they're, they're on skates and they're skating around. And the, the samadhi, when somebody really knows how to concentrate, he's still, they're still taking everything in, right? So it's not just they're focused on one little thing. Ta- they've got to take in everything, because if they're not taking in the other players on the ice, they're just going to get slammed, right? That's how hockey's played. You know, if you're skating down with the puck and you're not looking, somebody will just knock you down. So you've got to take it all in, but you've got to be totally present with the puck at the same time. So here's one of the, if you look up concentration in the dictionary, one of the definitions that I like is it says, the point around which a circle is drawn. The point around which a circle is drawn. It's a very interesting definition, and I like it very much. Because it means we center ourselves, but it's not just a narrowing, it's an opening. That there's a bigger, even as we pay attention to the breath, right, and the body, it doesn't mean we're not aware of the thoughts or feelings or sounds or other experiences that might be happening. Actually, we're more aware of them. And they, and we, but we're just letting them come and go. We're letting them come and go. If needed, we'll breathe with them. And if not, we just let them come and go. And then the the center gets bigger. The center keeps getting bigger, the body and the breathing, or deeper, whatever language works for you. And at a certain point um, with the meditation, it's like we become the breath. It's not like, oh, we're becoming, we're being mindful of the breath. At a certain point, that division of self and the object of what the self is paying attention to begins to dissolve. It actually merges. The consciousness and the object of consciousness merges and there's more a sense of oneness or just beingness and we become the breath. And usually usually when that happens, it's quite uh, exquisite. It's very pleasurable. And so one of the concerns about samadhi, why some teachers don't think it's so important or they downplay it, is they're afraid people will get attached to the samadhi. 
because it's very it brings bliss, it brings ecstasy at times. And I'm not one of those teachers. I'm like, oh no, go for it. Go ahead, go for the bliss. Have the bliss, enjoy the bliss. If you try to hold on to it, you'll suffer. And so you'll learn from that, you'll learn. Actually, when I first did a real formal samadhi practice, I was working with uh, Ajahn uh, Tanisaro and uh, Tanjef, he's called. And, and I, would, I was doing a self-retreat at Spirit Rock, but I was calling him up. He was down at his monastery in Southern California, and I would ask, I would do interviews every day or every other day by calling him up. I was sitting for a month, and I would tell him what's happening, and he would say, okay, okay, good, stay with the breathing. And then I'd call him back in a day or two, and I'd tell him what was happening, and he'd say, oh, good, sounds good, stay with the breathing. And then the next day, it'd be the same. I'd tell him, I'd say, oh, this is happening. And he'd say, stay with the breathing. And finally, after about 10 days, I said, are you going to give me any context? Or He said, only if I think you need it. Stay with the breathing. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then at a certain point, I started to get a lot of bliss, a lot of pleasure, about 12 or 14 days, and really a lot. Uh, and while I was eating, when I was walking, when I was sitting, a lot of pleasure, a lot of bliss. And I called him up. I said, oh, I don't even care about samadhi anymore. This is great. You know, I'm just having this pleasure. And I heard, I heard it on the phone. I heard him pause, you know, and it, he heard, you know, because things were deepening a little. So I heard him pause for a second. And then he said, stay with the breathing. <laughs> and, then, and then I went into some deeper levels of samadhi. And then he talked to me a little more, but not a lot. And I learned a lot from him, right? All he said was, stay with the breathing. So that I could, I could just start the talk with that and stop, and, and that would be a good talk. Just stay with your breath. But what he taught me was that we need to, get, we need to see that we have to f be creative. We have to discover how to do any practice any teacher gives us. The teachers can give us practice and outline it and tell us, but then we have to f actually figure out how to do it. And it's good to have instruction, but still, trial and error is the best way to learn. It's one of the best ways to learn in general, but it's a really great way to learn the meditative arts. Because nobody, unless they have a really, really high degree of uh, mind reading, which can happen at times, most teachers don't know actually what's going on inside of you. You know, they know a little bit. You get a little hit on people. You know, we have a little bit of mind reading, but not a lot. Although it's said with deep samadhi, that's one of the, that's one of the powers that come. Omniscience comes. Although the Buddha downplayed it. He didn't think it was so important and for many reasons. But, um, but uh, part of the art... And this is true with any, any skill. Teachers will tell you something, whether it's dance or music or even, even history. They can tell you the facts, but you need to put it together for yourself. The synthesis of, of the knowledge for it to become real has to happen within you. 
And this is true of all the meditative arts, whether we're talking about the foundations of mindfulness, whether the body or the feelings or the mind or the mental states or the, or the dharmas, whatever it is, or compassion, or it's all, we have to discover it within ourselves. And it's the, it's the fun part, it's the beauty. If we, and this, this is a phrase that uh, has been true in my experience. That I, when I was young in the Dharma, they, they used to say that if you take care of the Dharma, the Dharma will take care of you. And I, I actually really believe that. And that if, you, if you're interested in the Dharma, then it means you have, to, you have to engage, you have to give yourself to the Dharma in some way. Wherever you're interested, whether it's samadhi or mindfulness or compassion or service, whatever it might be, whether it's internal mindfulness or external mindfulness, mindfulness of your own internal experience, or mindfulness of the suffering and pain of the world, whether it's because of war or politics or race or, or whatever, you know, homophobia or, 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 or uh, whatever the uh, homelessness, whatever it might be, that if we start to pay attention to whatever area we're drawn to, internal or external, and start to practice there, the Dharma will reveal itself with our trial and error. And samadhi is a wonderful place to experiment. How do, how do we just stay with this? Is, it's a very simple instruction. Be mindful of your breath. Be bodyful of your breath. That's a, even a better way to say it, really. How do we become one with the breathing? How do we really land in our direct physical experience. You know, I can tell you all these different things, and hopefully one or two of them are a little bit helpful. But then, even now, you can work with your breath as I'm talking. Feel your body as I'm talking. Is it relaxed? That's a great first question. Is your body relaxed? If not, can you recenter yourself? Can you adjust your posture Relax your shoulders, let your belly be soft in order to relax while you're listening to the talk. And then you feel your, your breathing, because you're already breathing. And you'll be able to hear me, I promise you, unless you're in really, really deep samadhi. And then some, there's certain kinds of samadhi where you won't hear, but it's not going to happen tonight. I, don't worry about that. Okay. But you'll feel, it'll be a different orientation. You'll be orienting towards yourself because that's where the Dharma is. is right in you. You are the Dharma. The whole Dharma is sitting in your seat. So everything I'm talking about is sitting in your seat. I think that's a good place for me to stop. We have a, a couple minutes for questions or comments or reactions. Uh, my question is, uh, so when I first started to meditate, it was a, either I was with my breath or I was lost in my thoughts. And I was always taught to return back to my breath. And right. I've begun to practice more there's been a, a multitasking going on. I'm with my breath, okay. and I'm also aware of my thoughts. And right. At that point, I don't feel like I can 
return to my breath any more than I already am. Uh-huh. So I do feel like I've got a foot in foot in two places, worlds. Okay. I'm not quite sure what to do. Okay, so um, I just want to repeat a little bit. Beginning practice, working with breathing, being lost in thought, coming back to the breathing. And then now there's more breath, more awareness of breath, but also more awareness of the thought. And they occur. And they're happening at the same time. Um, So if you want to do a little less samadhi practice, then you might just start being mindful of the thinking. Right? You might just notice, oh, these are thoughts, thinking, thinking, and see what happens as you're mindful of thought. If you want to emphasize the samadhi, see if you can be more sensitive, a little more sensitive than the breath, and let the thoughts be in the background. And notice if you're wanting to keep the thoughts going. Like, oh, I really want to, you know, I hate that person, and I'm going to get them, and blah, blah, blah. And, and it's, it's something pleasurable in the thinking, right? The revenge is pleasurable, or the thought is exciting or interesting. And it means letting go a little bit of the thought. And you said you don't know how to make the breath, you can't be with the breath any more than you are? Uh, I normally, or in, in the beginning when I was and I would think, well, okay, let me try to return to my breath. Oh, there's my breath. Right. Um, so, okay. but, so I'm already aware of my breath. I don't know how to be with my breath more than right. I already am. So you can be with your breath more than you know. Really. So it means, okay, now I'm, giving, I'm telling you something. Now you have to figure out how to do that. So uh, what I want to encourage is you to make a lot of mistakes. Like try things. How, can I, how the hell can I be with the breath more than I already am? And then see, well, okay, what does it feel like? What does it taste like? What, what's pleasure, pleasant in it? What's unpleasant in it? Not so much looking for cognitive answers, but for the felt sense experience. And this is the key to samadhi. It's the felt sense experience. Like, okay, you're aware of the breath, but let the awareness be in contact with it. You're not just aware. You want to be more than aware. You want to sense it. You want to feel it. You want to be in contact with it. You want to be sensitive to it. You want to be intimate with it. I'm using a lot of words to see what words might help you or spark you. Like, okay, like you could be aware. If I put my finger on your face, you could be aware my finger is on your face, or you could feel my finger on your face, right? Or you can be aware that right now that your hands are touching, or you could feel your hands are touching. And actually, it's really both. Awareness is there, right? So if you feel your hands touching, it starts to become a little richer. And then you want to feel, well, how much can I feel this? How fully can I feel it? And then breathe with it. Now switch from the hands to the breathing. Then, okay, there's the breath. What does it feel like? Wow, it's so little. There's almost nothing there. Okay, how much can I feel the nothing of it? Or the shallowness, or the emptiness, or the whatever it is. 
It's main, new curiosity. Right. It's a different, it's not just an intellectual curiosity. It's good, right. She said more curiosity. It's a kinesthetic curiosity. It's a felt sense curiosity. A little louder. I'm sorry. Um, I've heard about or read about access and neighborhood concentration. Right. Which is a kind of degree of collectedness yeah. that you can reach where you dense. And I'd like your take on this. I think you then have a choice to go more towards mindfulness or into samadhi. Right. So, so this is a very technical question, but I will answer it. So there's. Um, uh, there's certain factors that build up as you do meditation practice focused on concentration. And the samadhi will build up to what's called sometimes access concentration. Really it means that there's a unification of mind, a certain level of unification, <laughs> that the hindrances, what are called the hindrances, are really in abeyance. At, access, at that level. Of, so there's no more restlessness, there's not sleepiness, there's not any desire, there's not any aversion, there's not any doubt. You're really kind of here with access concentration. Some systems say you have a choice. You can do mindfulness or you can go into jhana. Jhana is a more absorbed state of concentration, a deeper state. In that system, you, the mindfulness is, is considered the best way to go. Other systems don't see that. That you do go into jhana, the jhana is workable, and the jhana is in service of the mindfulness. So the concentration is, is used to become more and more and more mindful. So it's not, there's not two in that way. In that in that understanding, there's not really a division between concentration and mindfulness. But at the same time? Yeah, absolutely. I think of jhana as not mindful, but as kind of expansive, the dropping off of things to be mindful of. Uh, a lot of things drop away in the concentration, that's true. But the, there's, a, there's a, an, incre an increased awareness, clarity, called mahagatam chittam, uh, 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 an enlarged awareness, and that awareness is in the service of penetrating reality. It's different, there's different systems. What you're speaking of is from the teaching of Mahasi Sayadaw, and then the other system I'm talking about is from Ajahnali Damodaro and and Tanisaro Bhikkhu. So it just depends which school. Like I said, different teachers teach in different ways. You know, for our purposes here, it's good to start to work with the body and the breathing, to settle ourselves, to center ourselves, to relax ourselves, to start to find a little bit of ground in our daily life. And then also to see that we, there's other things we can do in daily life that will support our concentration, our samadhi. And in other words, being, doing one thing at a time will support that. 
and to start to recognize the benefits of it. Let's stop here for now. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.